Blog Talk Radio.
it's not selfish to put yourself first. No, it's self-full. It's self-full. It's self-full to be first, to be as good as possible to you, to take care of you, to keep you whole and healthy. That doesn't mean that you disregard everything and everyone, but you want to come with your cup full. You know, my cup runneth over. Yeah. What that comes out of the cup is for y'all. What's in the cup is mine. But I got to keep my cup full. Don't we do that? Don't we take on other people's stuff and make it about us when we don't know that we matter? When you don't know you matter, you will make somebody else's crazy about you. You got your own stuff to handle. You don't have to take on anybody else. You know, there isn't a person you can ask in the world at some point where they didn't say, you know, I just find it difficult to trust people. Right. But what you say, that's not really the issue. No. Learning to trust other people. No. The real issue is... Trusting yourself. Trusting yourself that you're going to make the right choices. Trusting yourself that you can hear that voice and follow it. Trusting yourself that when people betray you, abandon you, don't acknowledge you, whatever, you will... I'll be okay. Yeah. I'll be okay. What about boundaries? People violate you when you don't have clear boundaries because you don't tell them how to behave in your life. And they run amok. They run amok because you don't have clear boundaries. You know, a lot of people hold secrets about themselves from their family. Guilt and shame, guilt and shame. And teaching people how to be people, love people, and respect people enough to tell them the truth. Okay, okay. Tell them the truth. Okay. Here's a big story I wish everybody, I'm just a single mom and I can't. No, that story is not helping you. That may be a reality. Here's the, here's the principle. State the facts, speak the truth. Here's the fact. I'm raising children without the benefit of a partner. That's the, that's the fact. Here's the truth. Right where I am, the fullness of God is, and me and God is a majority. Most of us have a death urge. And we see the guy coming, warning, slap, right in the middle of his head. And we said, oh, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to reshape it. And we got to understand, love <laughs> doesn't have to fix you, change it. When you see crazy coming, cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, YouTubers. I'm excited to give you an update about our own YouTube channel.
Beginning with that premise, whether you're more or not more, I'm going to start with what law really is. Most of us think that we go into a courtroom and understand the difference between a court and a courtroom, that uh, the people who purport to use law really use words of art to make you believe, in fact, that law is uh, on the table when you walk into a courthouse or a courtroom, when in fact that's not true. And I would like to share with you tonight, regardless of your religious persuasion, what law really is. Law, and as Muslims would say, all law, is A-L-L space L-A-W, all law, all law. So for anyone who's of a Christian persuasion, don't be misled. And when you hear the term all law, all law is God, 
all right? That is also what we would say in lawful terms, a misnomer. Allah is not God. God has no capacity and no standing to all law. Because God means governmental ordinance departments. There is no comparison. Now, who can use law? Law can only be used by people who are in their sovereign capacity. And I was, as I will share with you tonight, the majority of the people in the world, and I'm not going to get into all of the details about that, but the majority of the people in the world, 99% of them live in slavery today. So in 1863, via the Emancipation Proclamation, and I challenge you to go look in a law dictionary and look up the definition of emancipation and proclamation, and you will see that a proclamation is not a law. A proclamation is a public announcement by elected officials. It is not a law. So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 did not set any slaves free. What it did was standardize slavery, the United States being the model for the standardization of slavery that all of the other nations around the world, as they reduced their people from their sovereign capacity and forced them to join nation states, then they were able to issue statute, codes, ordinances, resolutions on them. And a statute, as in a state statute of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, is not a law. It is corporate policy of the corporation that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated. All right? Now, a code is not a law. The United States codes the code of the laws of the United States of America that are used in federal court and the Supreme Court are not law. They are what they say they are. They are codes, ordinances, and resolutions of a municipality of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation that calls itself the city of Philadelphia, an ordinance and a resolution, as in parking ordinances, they are not law. They are what they say they are. They are ordinances and they are resolutions, all right? And the reason they are not law is because the only people who can issue law are people who are acting in their sovereign capacity. And the people who sit in these seats as elected officials are not, in fact, in their sovereign capacity. They are in a corporate ward status, meaning that they are wards of the state. They are members of the corporation, which is a nonprofit that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And as long as they have a birth certificate on record with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, with that birth certificate being a contract, a birth certificate is a contract, and as long as you have a contract with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, you belong to them, and that's what slavery really is. All right? So who can use law? If you are a member of a corporate ward state, if you are a member of a corporate ward nation that calls itself the United States of America, you are a citizen. Look in the law dictionary and look up the definition of citizen. A citizen is not a sovereign. A resident is not a sovereign. Therefore, if you use an address, which is a fictitious number associated with a designation issued by a corporate ward, right? 
then you become under the jurisdiction of those people who are also corporate wards but who are also slaveholders. All right? So if you are operating in that capacity, law does not apply to you. If you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, and you say you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, then the ordinances and the resolutions of that private, nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the statutes of that nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the code of the laws, right, apply to you. But if you are a sovereign of the Moorish Empire, those ordinances, those resolutions, those codes, those statutes do not apply to you because you are not a member of the corporate ward state. It's as simple as that. And they understand the difference. This is why on their documents, they use words of art. They use the word label. They use the word person. They use the word address. All of these things that place you in their jurisdiction and you unknowingly fill out forms every day. And every time you fill out a form, you enter into a contract. I don't care what kind of form it is. It's a contract. A driver's license application is a contract. A social security application is a contract. When you call up the telephone company and you make a verbal contract over the telephone, this is why they can bill you. When you sign a deed, it is a contract. When you fill out a voter registration form, it is a contract. Does everybody understand that? Don't ever think. Every, anything that you put your signature on becomes a contract. All right? Now, the fact that you are not in your sovereign status means that you make a contract as a minor. They don't care. They know you are a minor. Because and, and to be other than a minor, you have to be in your proper person at law. And how we write that is this. Can I have a Can you bear with me for a minute and let me put this on because uh, I can't. Can y'all see that? Impropria persona. Impropria persona. When you are in your corporate ward status, you look like this to the court. Pro se. Pro se meaning they get you in the court and they bring someone in called a Got that? Pro se cuter. A prosecutor. Because you're in a corporate board status. Now, if you're in persona, say in their criminal allegations, 
the prosecutor cannot come into the courtroom and say anything to you because you're not in pro se status. Makes sense, right? The issues of law, the issues of law are threefold. The issues of law are status, jurisdiction, and adjudication. The first thing that happens when you walk into a courtroom in your corporate ward status is that they already make the assumption that you are a ward of the state and that you don't know any better. So they immediately start adjudicating you. As the first thing that happens when we walk into a courtroom is that we place our status on the record. On the record. We come in with our flag. We come in with our treaty. We come in with the Constitution. We sign with them. And understanding that the Constitution is a contract. I'm not the one, I think you should fuck with Jelly, you know in advance I got a goon, holding a burner, you can get left with a tan He a junkie for the dumb shit, want all the smoke like a strand Just protecting the brand, you gotta protect the brand Too much to count, right now I don't got enough hands Right now it's just me and her with it They dissing, I know that they wishing, I give them a chance Never get tricked at the spot You reach, I blank, you stink, I'm going to the can For protecting the brand, say what I said Just protecting the brand, Get the drop, go hit up his block right now. The chopper hole 99 plus one, that's a hundred some shots for a op. Put on for my city every time I drop. Couple niggas stuck and they mad that I'm not. Hate that I'm hot like what's under the pot. Got them where I want them, I hear that a lot. Hey, who you is? Tell me. Big speaker, big stepper. Still in rotation with the travels and the jackals. Hot boy ride with the pump. Asthma. Double R truck, red seat, plasma. I'm hitting the bitch from the back, got a sand to brand. And free all the bros out the can. Never seen him, so we clapping his mans like hands. Why would you play with the clan? F in the N, A in the R. Infrared beam, it glow in the dark. Put in the work and don't tell what you saw. I'm a big driver controlling the car. Be bad. They riding the wrong or right. Don't matter. Little niggas told choppers my height. Six, three. I flooded the brand and ice. On me. You reach, you playing with your life. Yeah. Big speaker. One thing about it, I'ma stand. All the way up. I'm not the one. I think you should fuck with Jelly, you know in advance. Nope. I got a goon holding the burner. You can get left with a tan. He a junkie for the dumb shit. Now. Want all the smoke like a strand. Nope. Just protecting the brand. You gotta protect the brand. Too much to count. Right now, I don't got enough hands. Right now, it's just me and her with it. They dissing, I know that they wishing I give them a chance. Never get tricked at the spot. You reach, I blank, you stink. I'm going to the can. Going fit. For protecting the brand. Huh? Just protecting the brand. Okay. You know the brand, we winning. Let's go. Better ask about the baby and see what they say. That little nigga ain't playing, he with it. Nigga know I keep firing me 24-7 You get cooked like a pan A skill I protect in the brand I you standing on that? I come step on you like you a pair of tennis okay. Ain't that what they call in Memphis? Uh-huh. Know a few niggas ballin' in Memphis Ball. Got a bag, I'm a bag, I'ma let you know yeah. If I pull that bitch out, I'ma let it blow Ooh. Nigga, you know I'm hot And my bitch a hot girl We'll pop out like we Megan, yo It was time to go rob out the brand And your boy showed his hand And the nigga was scared to go I think these niggas scared of the lake Got a brand, but my brand way ahead of your lake We make niggas famous Put one of y'all ass on the news Now your mama scared of the cable Hey, baby, what you gonna do If a nigga walk down and he call himself checking the label? Tell my little brother, pass me that AR Like a master of the salt and pepper at the table Cause I'm a big speaker One thing about it, I'ma stand All the way up. I'm not the one, I think you should fuck with Jelly, you know in advance nope. I got a goon, holding the burner You can get left with a tan He a junkie for the dumb shit Ow. Want all the smoke like a strand nope. Just protecting the brand you gotta protect the brand Too much to count, right now I don't got enough hands Right now it's just me and her with it They dissing, I know that they wishing I give them a chance Never get tricked at the spot You reach, I blank, you stink, I'm going to the can I'm Going fit For protecting the brand Say what I said just protecting the brand. Hey. 
Evolution Radio Network, where the evolution is the revolution. So by extrapolation, if you then look at all these different ancient prophecies, they all speak about a so-called coming golden age. But one of the very interesting things that I found was a scholarly work by H.C. Baldry uh, called Who Invented the Golden Age? And in a way, I'm kind of spoiling the punchline of my book here, but that's okay. There's a lot of really great data in there. You'll be back before then. But this is what really blew me away, because when I did this research, I found out that the two words that are used for golden age are Seiklas, S-A-E-C-L-A-S, and Aetas, A-E-T-A-S. Well, it turns out that to call it a golden age is actually a mistranslation that was only introduced by the Romans. And that prior to that point, these words had a different meaning that did not mean age. The original meaning, and get a hold of this, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I heard this. The original meaning is golden race, not golden age. So the actual prophecies, as soon as you go farther back in time than Rome, was talking about a coming golden race. Now again, you can start to see how wackos like the Nazis could misinterpret this as if only a small group applied to this prophecy, just like fundamentalists say, well, my own band of followers is going to make it, everybody else is, is dirt. I think this is the same thing. I think it's actually referring to a awakening of humanity as a collective. Uh, rather than just a small group of people. But what I'm interested in is saying to myself, okay, and you can ask me if you want about the Great Seal of the United States, because this is very relevant, but let me track back to that in a minute. Uh, Because, you know, you get the pyramid there, and you got Novus Ordo Seclorum. That's where you and Jordan Maxwell, I think, agree on, on, on that, too. Well, yeah. Now, what did I just say? I said that the Romans misinterpreted the word seclos to mean uh, age or, or year when it actually means race. Mm-hmm. Novus ordo seclorum, seclos, it's the same word root, right? So normally, if you actually go into American historical records, Novus ordo seclorum is said to mean a new order of ages is born. The new order of ages, the order of ages part is the word seclorum, right? If seclorum really means race, it actually says a new race is born. Now that blew me away. The British government has declassified thousands of pages of secret files on UFO sightings. Errol Barnett joins us with much more Absolutely. on this. Absolutely. Here we go, Aisha. Boom. This. 
the largest declassification. Well, this is only 500 pages, but this is the largest declassification of UFO reports by Britain's National Archives ever. They had more than 6,000 pages. You can see here sketches, eyewitness accounts, investigations, all of this from the mid-90s to the dawn of this century. Now, what does it contain? Well, the reports include uh, individual sightings of large, silent, blue triangle-shaped aircraft to reports of tubes of light one man said he was able to walk through. He says he later developed a skin condition. And other reports are by groups of people, including a fishing group who trapped an object on their radar before it vanished. Even police officers in England caught a UFO on video at the same time that the Royal Air Force detected an unidentified blip on their radar. But that was later identified as stars and bright planets, attributing the blip to a, quote, permanent echo created by a church spire. Hello. Okay, it also finds that the standard UFO descriptions change from a saucer disc to a more triangular shape over time. So it's a very yeah. comprehensive and detailed report, and this is just 500 pages of it. Yeah, they've been cited all over the place, and I saw some people describing them as a kind of toddler own. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate bar. Chocolate, which, chocolate Yeah, which kind of made me laugh. But anyway, um, does this report, from everything you've read, do you feel it kind of, you know, puts people's mind at ease, put them at rest, or does it just span, you know, the, the flames of speculation, so to speak? Well, well, both, actually. This is the most popular story on CNN.com right now. When I, we look through the more than 500 comments, people are split down the middle from those who do and don't believe that we've been visited by extraterrestrial life. Now, um, in the past, many of these sightings, though, they've turned out to be secret government tests of aircraft. Remember the stealth bomber, right. for example. At the same time, fictitious programs and movies like Star Trek and Star Wars, they really capture the imagination of millions of people who mm -hmm. want to believe. So you can read, if you're interested, this massive report for yourself. We have 500 pages for you if you it's like. It's a lot, and they actually down have it in downloadable bits of a few hundred pages or so. And I'm going to, as soon as I leave you, tweet the link to viewers so perhaps maybe one of our viewers will find uh, you know, the smoking uh, gun in this report. But really this is kind of a report to kind of open up um, the documents and the investigations. But there was one incident where there were some near misses where a British Airways pilot and a cabin crew saw an identified object and the investigation was unconclusive or inconclusive. So it, uh, it's just more of the same. Yeah, wow. I thought you were going to say, as soon as you leave me, you're going to start about reading all 500 pages. Absolutely. Uh, the fourth eclogue was then quoted from by the founding fathers. So somehow, the founding fathers of the United States of America quoted from this religious text that was channeled by this crazy lady called the Sibyl of Cumae, who was basically getting high off of volcanic gas and then going into this state where she would utter prophecies like Nostradamus that were very, very accurate. These prophecies literally speak of... Now, this is what blows me away so much, and this is the big punchline, really. You look at the Great Seal of the United States, you find out that uh, Charles Thompson was quoting from this prophet. And it turns out that the prophecy says that these extraterrestrial kingdoms of gods will return to the earth, which are called the Virgin and the Saturnian kingdoms. And that the so-called, and it actually says this, the Golden One shall arise again in the whole earth. Now, to me, if you step back, I was gobsmacked when I found out that my country, the United States of America, secretly encoded on the back of the dollar bill a pyramid with an eye in the triangle on the top, 
and that on the top it says Anuit Septus, again meaning the great year begins, whatever that means, the beginning of something new. Novus Orosicorum on the bottom, which is a direct quote that says that this thing is going to happen to the earth where these gods return and where people become golden in some way, where they actually transform, and it, it describes a monumental shift. To the New Evolution Radio Network, where the evolution is the revolution. Oh, uh, tell me what your crib worth. I hear you talking war, but have you lived first? I'm just here to keep it real, not make you feel worse. Maybe a lost cause, but let's still search. Until the day I die holding my guns up. Rather have a friend or enemy, which one am I? Fuck a bird box, I wanna see my brother fly No longer shackled in chains, some nigga crucified Walking down the block, rolling my boom box Cop the Mr. Dirty nigga, clean tube socks They gon' keep us in the ghetto till we move out And we need some better books off in that schoolhouse Rose Royce weather, rich dirty nigga, it took so much effort I don't give a fuck about who sold more records Being self-made, give me so much leverage, boss From the start, cause that's all I know Double M's, double R's, nigga, all I roll Course I going viral when them punches throw Oh, Chris Shaw taking pictures like we rich and po Another rich rap, nigga, word to Ricky Rose Yeah From my point of view, watching the sunset I just keep on moving so you won't catch a contact All my dirty niggas showing me where the love at Drop the top, candy painted, haters eliminated Take a photo for fanatics, I often demonstrate it Rich nigga, dirty game, I'm talking Nick Saban Bricks raining every day, white than Dick Cheney Dirty nigga, but my sneakers new She can go and get the two though in a week or two Dirty nigga with a couple things I could treat it to Or maybe send it to the jewelers just like me could do Real niggas that was born to kill Dirty niggas touching 40 mil 40 cars on the sporty wheels Gold bars in my shorty wheels
with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. I've always been interested in the occult. Occult is simply a word meaning hidden, and so much of our powers in this world and the way things work are, are hidden. And uh, the more one looks at this subject of how the world actually works, you begin to see that there's a magical system, and I'm telling you, there really is a magical system dominating the world of the Western civilization. To go to the basis, the fundamental foundation on which things sit in order to understand, begin to see how magical use of words and terms and symbols are used, you need to start looking at the world of the occult in politics and religion. And the powers that be in this world have set up a world of symbols and emblems and terms and catchphrases. And it, once you understand how this system works, it's fascinating because for the first time the world opens up to you a whole new perspective on how government works, on how banks work, on how institutions and education, it is very well planned, organized, and directed. There is a hidden agenda, so to speak. And it's been my uh, desire to uncover this. And once you begin to see the symbols and realize that the symbols for the national coats of arms for countries, the flags, the seals, the presidential seals, the emblems for the logos and emblems on corporate uh, corporations, especially the, uh, the, the corporate emblems for motion pictures and television companies like Columbia Broadcasting System, CBS has the I. The Colombian uh, system goes back to the Colombian faction of the Illuminati back in the early 1700s, not the late 1700s and I set up a system of merchant banking and had their Phoenician Canaanite symbols and words connected to their societies, their banking societies, we're talking about in the Middle, in the middle East, and then through the Greece and ultimately through Rome and then into Britannia and ultimately into this country comes an ancient Druidic Phoenician Canaanite magical system of finance, government, education, and all of it is right in front of you. But if you don't understand what the words are and what the words mean, you're never going to figure out how uh, this stuff works. And incidentally, where, where do you find a bank? We go to banks all the time. Where do you find a bank? Banks are on both sides of a river. They're called river banks. What does a river bank do? It directs the flow of the current sea. Your money is referred to as the current sea. This is why when you go to court, you have the current electricity because it's the juice. And if you don't have the juice, you don't have it. So if you don't have the juice, you can't capitalize. And the capital is a Latin word meaning money. 
Consequently, Caesar ruled from what was referred to in history books, Caesar ruled from up on the hill. It was called Capitol Hill, Capitoline Hill, with the Senate. You need to understand that Washington, D.C., as a Jesuit Catholic establishment under international maritime admiralty law, and once you begin to see how the system of the ancient uh, Catholic system the Jesuits, the ancient Roman Empire, the Phoenician Canaanite banking system is all part of a world dominating system. Again, I'm saying you better do your homework. You need to understand that according to the old Phoenician Canaanite system, which we call today our judicial, educational and judicial system, there is no law in this country or in the Western world no law, federal, state, county, city, commercial, it makes no difference. There is no law on the books anywhere in this country that applies to you as an individual creature. There is no law. They have no control over you, your flesh and blood self. But somebody has to control this show. And so consequently, the ancient Phoenician Canaanites developed a, new, a system by which they would assign to every person a second you. And this is the way it works in America. There is two of you. Consequently, the system has made each one of you a corporation. And how, how now do you distinguish which one, uh, when someone's addressing you, that they're addressing you as the one that your mother gave birth to or the corporate you. For every piece of important bills, insurance, driver's license, identification, uh, taxes, I don't care what it is. If it's a piece of business, period, in any kind of way, shape, or form, your name must, by law, international maritime admiralty banking law your name must appear in all capital letters when you sign your name upper and lower case that is applying to your body your your flesh and blood self is spelled according to british and american law upper and lower case capital letter lower case that's you your personal self there is no law that can be applied to an upper and lowercase name, period. Pass and read on a check what, what is said where you sign your name. That's why the attorneys tell you, you better check the small print. The Bible of Business on the Earth. Uniform Commercial Code. Uniform Commercial Code is based directly on Vatican Canon Law, on the Roman Canon Law. Consequently, when a ship pulls into port, it pulls in and stops in its call in its berth. The ship is now in its berth. Because it is on the law of the high seas or commercial maritime, UCC commercial law rules the seas. So when the ship pulls into its berth, the first thing the captain must do is to present a certificate of manifest to the port authorities, which means that the port authorities need to know how much is on this ship that you're bringing into our country and our economy. How many TVs, how many cars, uh, whatever you're bringing, how much are you bringing into our economy? 
So you have to have a certificate, a manifest of what is the value of your ship here. What are you doing? Consequently, when you are born, you come out of your mother's water. Therefore, you must have a birth certificate, a certificate of manifest, because you are a corporation-owned item. You are a human resource. This goes back to the German Nazi concept that every human coming out of their mother's water must be birthed. And therefore, you have to have a certificate, a manifest, to see how much this individual is going to make for us in our new world order. I'm telling you that until you understand the laws, the symbols, the emblems, what these words mean, you're never going to suspect how far gone we really are. Did you know, for instance, that your birth certificate is a security on the stock exchange in the New York stock market. Did you know that? Because if you order your birth certificate, get a new one, order your birth certificate, it only costs you, sometimes it's free, it only, only costs you a few dollars, order your birth certificate. On your birth certificate, all birth certificates in this country, on the bottom, it will tell you, this is printed on security papers. Do not accept, if not on full color security paper. Then on the right hand corner, you will always have a series of numbers, red numbers, printed on the, on the birth certificate. Those numbers are a security stock exchange number on the world stock exchange. You go to any good stock office and ask them, check these numbers in your computer and see how much this stock is worth, the certificate. And they will check it on the New York Stock Exchange and find you, your birth certificate, is a stock on the stock exchange in America. Why? Because you are worth money to the international bank that bought you in 1930. We need to wake up. Greatest single enemy to this totalitarian system is a free people. A free people who can do their own thinking, investigate everything, and have the ability to, to confront the powers that be. And of course we were called, America was called the land of the free and the home of the brave. We are not free and we are not brave. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet. The new Evolution Radio Network. Heat makers. Heat makers. Crack music. Crack music. Crack music. Crack music. Put it all on the line Now I'm out here living my life My best life oh, oh, oh. I'll put it all on the line like clothes hanging out the dry Used to pack the fire, my clip hanging out the side Put the club back and while we hanging out the ride Since a young boy, man, the gang been outside Pointing at the cars that belong to the dealers Now we pointing by cars when we going in the dealer Had the same jeweler for at least the last 20 Me and all the crib and I was down on my last 20 Cause they shit when you down to your last penny Three homes, one bad mortgage, a crash family You try to block me out of the check race Don't make you be the reason for my next case Best life, oh, 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 oh. 
times, now I'm living my best life Two niggas that I wanna see in my next life Talk about that white girl cause she was my ex-wife I was cooking up the coke like I was scrambling egg whites Why? And plus I got a problem with attachment Bad she gon' catch in the party being ratchet She know that I'm a G, I be in parties with my ratchet The way she threw it back, you know what, nigga had to catch it She asked if I was wild, I said yeah, I could be reckless Drop a cord on her, drop another hundred on the necklace She tried to get before we hit the exit So I parked and dropped the top and watched them both get naked I mean, Space out there. Call the numbers 347 989 0194 if you want to get in and holler at me. That is the call in number. Welcome to the show. Um, got a couple of quick announcements. We got a seminar coming up in St. Louis. If you want to come out, uh, you can register at the door. Um, I'm gonna, I should have pre registration up here shortly. Um, so if you want to pre register, you can also pre register or you can pay at the door. Getting that way, all right. So, with that being said, uh, welcome to the show. Hope y'all enjoyed Friday's show. We're gonna pick up today from where we left off on Friday. Um, you know, today we we discussed the 14th Amendment and we went into the idea, um, Friday of uh, equal protection, right, under the law. and when we talk about equal protection under the law, you cannot talk about that without talking about the 14th Amendment, and you can't mention that without mentioning the treaty, so forth and so on. So in that discussion, the idea of um, what slaves actually were came up, right, indentured servitude, things of that nature. Um, you know, and then, so you have, you know, you have indentured servants, you have involuntary servitude, um, things of that nature, right? So we're going to discuss this tonight because the question came up was, did slavery actually really exist? Right? And that's a very good question because you, you have to go back and look at the history of what actually happened in order to really understand it. You got to look at the 13th Amendment, Right? And it talks about slavery and involuntary servitude, sections one and two, and it says that 
neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any other place subject to their jurisdiction. So Congress has the power to enforce this article by what we would call appropriate legislation. So, um, you know, then we have to, you know, because when this comes up, you have to ask yourself, well, okay, what, what exactly is involuntary servitude and how does that work, right? So for the purposes of of criminal prosecution, right, under um, Section 241, right, and 1584, right, the term involuntary servitude necessarily means a condition of servitude in which the victim, right, the victim is forced to work for the defendant by the use or the threat of physical restraint or physical injury, right, by the use of coercion through some type of legal tactic, right? So um, when we think about, right, slavery, right, we have to ultimately look at, at it from the aspect of, okay, slavery existed, but in what form did it exist in this country? And how did it exist, right? So the government cannot prove um, under the 13th Amendment, right, whether or not voluntary servitude or involuntary servitude has happened. So the fact that the amendment, the 13th Amendment, excludes from its prohibition involuntary servitude imposed as, quote, a punishment for crime. Okay, so it's a punishment for a crime where the party should have been convicted indicates that the amendment's drafters, the people who wrote the amendment, essentially thought that involuntary servitude uh, generally included situations in which a victim is compelled to work by law, which means that they make you work. Okay? Make you work for your inheritance. Make you make you work off some type of debt, but, but, you, but you were convicted in the court of law. So who convicted you? Okay? And this is why I tell people to be very careful about your nationalities uh, and how you move, because some people will use you. Okay? And I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, you know, I'm gonna put people out there, but just understand what I'm saying, that this is a very important topic, right? And if you're not careful, you can um, end up in some form of involuntary servitude and not realize that that's exactly what it is. Okay? So, when we talk about this tonight, I, I wanted to look at a few different things, right? Because the language of the 13th Amendment, right, is the understanding that involuntary servitude or the phrase that prevailed at the time, right, um, is essentially a borrowed phrase, right? So, the phrase should have had the meaning, right, um, where it, it wasn't to the contrary. So, it, you ask me, well, what am I saying here? Okay, so if you go back and look at indentured servitude in North America, okay, indentured servitude is a form of labor, okay, in which a person is contracted to work without salary for a specific number of years. So the contract called 
um, an indenture, like a trust indenture, okay, may be entered voluntarily for eventual compensation or some type of debt repayment. Okay, so it may be imposed as a judicial punishment. So historically, um, it was used to pay for apprenticeships, typically when the apprentice agreed to work for free, right, for a master or a tradesman, right? Um, and so if you look at the Civil War and what occurred during the Civil War, you actually see that a lot of people during the Civil War became what they call masters without slaves, okay? And so you ask yourself, well, how can you be a master without slaves? And if you if you actually if you look at golf today when they when they play the masters, okay, they are, they're always telling you that people have masters still, and, and that slavery is still very much around you and it still very much exists. Okay, they they always are putting it in your face. So understanding this, we have to understand that um, indentured servitude and the form of it. Okay, um, involuntary servitude voluntary servitude, it still exists. It actually never went anywhere. And if it did go anywhere, it went more into the private, right? So like any loan and indenture is sold, right? And most employers, right, had to depend on the middleman to recruit or to transport the workers. So indentures or indentured workers were basically brought and they were sold. So when they arrived at their destination, they knew what it was, right? So um, kind of like when they enslaved people, the price went up or down depending upon the supply or the demand. Okay, it was buying and selling. So when the indenture or the loan was paid off, the worker was then free, and sometimes they might be given a little bit of land, right? And if you think about um, prisoners of war, okay, and the whole, the whole idea of being a prisoner of war, they were essentially – uh, put into involuntary servitude, but they were made to be essentially indentured servants. But they, um, a lot of these people had no idea when they were going to be let out of the supposed contract. Right? So I want to explore this tonight because this is this is something that that we need to know because history does repeat itself. Right? No matter who you are, what your nationality is, I, you can become subject to. This. Type stuff. Okay. All right. So we can't look at none of this information without understanding the idea of prisoners of war, right? Or POWs, as they call them, right? And these are what they call combatants or non-combatants. And when you're combatant, this is the legal status, right, of an individual who has the right to engage in hostilities during armed conflict. So the legal definition of a combatant. Is found in Article 43.2 of the Geneva Convention. Okay, and it states that members, <clears throat> okay, people who who have been brought into being combatants, right, legal members. Okay, it states that that, that, that consequently, combatants as a rule are legal targets themselves. For the opposite side, regardless of specific circumstances at hand. So, in other words, they can be attacked regardless of specific circumstances, simply due to their status, so as to deprive their side of support. So, in addition to having uh, the right to participate in hostilities, combatants have the right to the status of prisoners of war. 
they actually gave them that as a status. See, I need to understand that when your ancestors were supposedly slaves, they were not just slaves. They were considered prisoners of war. It was actually a status. It was a status at law. Okay? So having a status at law as a combatant, uh, you could get a, a status of a prisoner of war when you got captured during some type of armed conflict. So while being a combatant, right, you were obliged to comply with the rules of international law uh, if you was caught. Okay? And they was obliged to um, essentially follow the same rules if they caught you. So violations of these rules show not deprive the combatant of his right to be a combatant or if he fails or falls into the power of an adverse party. Okay? His right to be a prisoner of war. So when you think about the term prisoner of war, right, they, they actually considered people to be privileged combatants. So think about all of the brothers that left their land to go fight. Okay? They were members of a militia. Understand? So when we look at the, the, the term prisoner of war, right, you either were a combatant or a non-combatant. And then non-combatant is a term of art, essentially, in law. And it's also in international law, right, where they refer to civilians um, who, who do not take a direct part in hostility, right, um, such as um, the medics, military chaplains, your ministers, uh, members of the belligerent army forces, right? But these people are protected because of their specific duties, right? So these are also included diplomats, things of that nature, right? And this is why I got to go read the Geneva Convention and read the pre-Geneva Convention, okay? So there's a, there's a French term, and their term is uh, horse de combat, which in this, this French term is essentially used in diplomacy and international law. It refers to military personnel who are incapable of performing their duties during war. So examples include... Uh, parachuting from a disabled aircraft or something like that, right? Um, but essentially, people who were non-combatant, right, also sometimes became subject to the war. So you could think about, like, the preacher's wife, right, or um, anybody who may have been left who didn't go on to the war, but they got captured or they got caught up. So you think about, like, KKK would come and burn people's land and then people would get kicked off their land and stuff like that. A lot of those people were non-combatants okay, during the American Civil War. Okay, So when we talk about the Civil War, you can't talk about the Civil War without talking about Reconstruction, without talking about uh, Lincoln and all that stuff, but you can't talk about it without talking about POWs, right? So a prisoner of war, whether a military member or an irregular military fighter, which is a non-standard military component, right? And so basically being defined by exclusion, right? A significant variance, if you will, between a soldier and one who's not a soldier, okay? So a POW is held captive by a belligerent power during or immediately after an armed conflict. So the earliest recorded usage of the phrase prisoner of war dated back to 1610. Okay? So understand that belligerents hold prisoners of war in custody for a range of legitimate and illegitimate reasons, such as uh, isolating them from the enemy. 
that's in the field, or repatriating them in order to, uh, in, a, in, a, in a what they call it, an orderly manner. So we know all about repatriation. Right? Repatriation is the process of returning an asset or an item of symbolic value or a person to its owner or their place of origin of citizenship. So the term, they refer to non-human entities such as uh, uh, converting foreign currency, or it could refer to a person, right, or a national. Why do y'all think I, I, I go so hard with telling y'all that you got to understand how nationality works? You'll fuck around and get caught up, and then you'll become a prisoner of war. And only that, they will try to repatriate you back into their system and make you a U.S. citizen all over again. They'll make you a slave all over again. Okay. Now, remember that there's something called conscription, right? Or conscript, conscripting or conscription, which is mandatory enlistment of people in the service. So they'll try to throw you in the actual military or the army or the armed forces. You understand? So conscription dates back to iniquity, okay? and it continues in, in other countries to the present day. So the modern system of uh, uh, conscription, right, is when they try to get young men and force them into the service. Like, hold on a second. You can't force nobody into the military, okay, especially if they have certain religious beliefs that keep them from going to the military, okay? So, so we got to understand this because prisoners of war in all aspects have existed from ancient times to middle ages of the Renaissance, your modern times, uh, your European wars, your French Revolutionary Wars, and all of this, your American Civil War, especially. So, there's what's known as the exchange of prisoners, right? And this is the reason why you need to use the Peace and Friendship Treaty, because it deals with that in its very essence, which is the exchange of one captain for another captain, one prisoner for another prisoner, right? So an extensive um, period of this could be during the American Revolutionary War, okay, or the Anglo-American War, okay? And a lot of these, actually, believe it or not, a lot of these wars led to cartel systems. Okay? So, a prisoner exchange or a prisoner swap, okay? Um, when we talk about swapping prisoners, is a deal between opposing sides in the conflict to release prisoners or prisoners of war, spies, hostages, sometimes dead bodies are involved in the exchange. Okay, so all this is done while the belligerents were at war. So a cartel was usually arranged by the respective armed service for the exchange of uh, like-ranked personnel. So the aim was to achieve a reduction in the number of prisoners that were held while at the same time alleviating shortages of skilled personnel in the home country. Okay, so at the start of the Civil War system, okay, people who, who, who were paroled, out of prison camps, these were captives, and they agreed not to fight until they were officially exchanged. So meanwhile, these people were held in camps that were run by their own army, okay, when they were paid but not allowed to perform military duties. So people was being enslaved, essentially, as prisoners of war by their own people, 
So then this whole system of exchange, right, it collapsed in 1863 when the Confederacy refused to exchange black prisoners, right? Now, I need y'all to understand this. A lot of the a lot of the soldiers that fought for the Confederacy, which they don't tell you, were black prisoners. Oh, excuse me, were black soldiers. They don't want you to know that, right? They don't want you to know. When you can go back and look at the original Republic, the original Republic was full of quote unquote black people. Okay, but a lot of the the original exchanges that happened, okay, was because a lot a lot of these you know these camps didn't want to exchange the black prisoners, right? So in like 1864, you have what's known as the Dick Hill Cartel. Okay, so the Dick Hill Cartel was first official system for exchanging prisoners during the American Civil War. Like it was it was signed by the Union is uh General John A. Dix. Okay. So they suspended this, right? So the Confederate officials approached the Union, okay, in exchange for, you know, one prisoner for another prisoner. Okay. And but they wanted to resume the cartel and they wanted to include black prisoners in this. And this is where a lot of your so-called slaves came from, right? So understand that um, it was really in the best interest of the United States to come through with the Emancipation Proclamation because they wanted, they wanted to lead the cartel, okay? Understand this. So um, understand that, that when this happened, right, you had General Grant, Okay, who rejected the offer, and he, but basically stated in essence that the Union could afford to leave their men in captivity, but the Confederacy could not. Y'all understand this? The Union could afford to leave men in captivity, but the Confederacy could not. So about fifty-six thousand to four hundred and nine thousand prisoners of war died in prison camps in the Civil War. Who, most of whom were black Okay So nearly 10% Nearly 10% Of the conflicts And the fatalities Happened inside the prison camps So 45,000 uh, Prisoners of war Were at Camp Sumner Right So Camp Sumner is in Georgia Okay It's in Andersonville, Georgia Right, so 28% of the people in that camp died. You had Camp Douglas in Chicago. Okay, 10% of this Confederate prisoners died. Okay, you had uh, Elmira Prison, which is in New York State, where 25% of people died. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so under the Geneva Convention. Which is an important convention um, It lays out the rights Of what happens when a motherfucker gets captured Number one, they're supposed to be treated humanely With respect for their person and their honor They're supposed to be able to inform The next of kin Of the intentional committee Of the Red Cross Of their capture I do understand what the Red Cross is right? Right. They're supposed to be allowed to Communicate regularly with Relatives and receive packages they're supposed to be given uh, adequate food, clothing, housing, and medical attention. They're supposed to be paid for work done and not forced to do work that's dangerous, unhealthy, or degrading. They're supposed to be released quickly after the conflict ends. 
um, they're not they're supposed to not be compelled to give any information except for name, age, rank, or service number. In addition, if they were wounded or sick on the battlefield, the prisoner will receive help from the International Committee of the Red Cross. Now, when a country is responsible for breaches of prisoners of war, uh, those accountable will be punished accordingly. So as an example, at the Nuremberg trials, right, or the Tokyo trials, um, German and Japanese military commanders were prosecuted for preparing and initiating what they call war of aggression or murder, right? So war of aggression sometimes is war of conquest, uh, and it's a military term, right, where they wage war without justification of self-defense, usually um, some type of territory or subjugation, if you will, okay? Okay, so we're talking about ill-treatment, deportation of individuals, and even genocide, okay? So, so, so then we have to realize that a lot of what happened to people in this country during the Civil War, okay, was denationalization. It was genocide. Um, people were marginalized. Okay, but people also became uh, what's the term? Um, uh, um, damn, it's slipping my mind right now. Um, disenfranchised. Right? People became disenfranchised. So disenfranchisement was a huge thing, right? Disenfranchisement or or voter disqualification is the restriction of suffrage, the right to vote of a person or a group of people, or a practice that's, that has the effect of preventing a person uh, from exercising his or her right to vote. So disenfranchisement refers to the revocation of power or control of a particular individual, by taking away your right to vote. So understand that your ancestors went off to war. They became captured in war. They became prisoners of war. They became disenfranchised because of the war. Okay? So when you become disenfranchised, you become deprived of a franchise or deprived of your legal right of some privilege or inherent immunity. So disenfranchisement may be accomplished explicitly by law or implicitly through a requirement that was implied in a discriminatory fashion. Y'all understand what I'm saying to you? Okay. So so when we talk about um, the Reconstruction era in 1877, okay, these were enacted mainly by southern states at the turn of the 20th century. So the the 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution enacted in 1870 was done to protect suffrage of free men. Okay, so your right to vote. Okay, so then when we look at the term freedmen, because don't forget we had the Freedmen Bureau, which they got rid of, right? Because, see, they had to have a way to help Moors who became disenfranchised and then called Negro, Black, Colored. Because a freed man or a freed woman is a formerly enslaved person who's been released from slavery usually by legal means. Historically, enslaved people were freed by what they call uh, manumission, emancipation, or self-purchase. means you bought yourself. A fugitive slave is a slave who escaped enslavement by fleeing. See, you have the right to buy yourself. You have the right to own yourself. 
Okay. So when we talk about self-purchase, okay, or, or manumism, okay, the act of freeing slaves by their owners, okay, this is why a lot of brothers, I want to buy my slavery, I want to buy my freedom, because they want to, I mean, come on, that you see it in all the slave movies, you understand what I'm saying? So disenfranchisement is a huge thing, okay, now, Democrats, um, you know, in the 19th century, right, and they did an alliance between Republicans and what they call populists, okay, and it cost them a lot of elections in North Carolina. So Democrats, um, you know, they added to efforts, right, and they, and they achieved widespread disenfranchisement from 1890 to 1908. So your Southern legislators. They, this is where all your new constitutions came in. So if you're wondering why, how come after 1900 and all of these states, you started seeing all these new constitutions popping up, that was the reason why. Because they had to do constitutional amendments to disenfranchise your ass. So the laws made voting registration and voting more difficult, especially when they were administered in a discriminatory way. So they exceeded, exceeded, and they succeeded in disenfranchising most of um, black people. A.K.A. your prisoners of war or your moors, okay, as well as poor whites in the South. They did this to poor white people too, right? Okay, this is where that's why you need to go get the book White Cargo, right? So a voter roll dropped dramatically in every single state. The Republican Party was damn near eliminated in the region for decades, and then the Democrats established one party control throughout Southern states. So this is your mob rule. They came in like the fucking mob. See, a lot of niggas think, you know, it's a game. They want to play with the mob shit and rap music and all of that. They don't understand that this is exactly how a lot of them were taken up out of here. Um, you know, and put into prison camps. And then later they became what? They became fucking actual prisons. Y'all got to be so careful, man, on how you move, right, and what you're doing. This is not a game, all right? So when we're talking about just the the whole series of events, the Reconstruction Act, um, or what they call the Military Reconstruction Act, was done on March the 2nd, 1867. It's under 14, stat 428 through 430, okay? March 23rd, 1867, 15, stat 2-5, July 19th, 15 stat 14 through 16, March 11, 1868, uh, 1868 uh, 41 stat 25. Right? So these are where, these are basically four statutes that were passed during the Reconstruction era um, of the 40th Congress. I'm saying the 39th Congress was the last Congress that your ancestors held. I'll say it again, it was the 39th Congress. When they got to the 40th Congress, your ancestors were officially out, but they had to do a reconstruction of everything that they had done up until that time. So they addressed the requirements of the southern states to be readmitted into the union. So the actual title of the initial legislation was, uh, quote, an act to provide for a more efficient government of the rebel states. Okay. They did this on March the 4th, 1867. So the fulfillment of the requirement of these acts 
uh, was for the, the, the former Confederate states to be readmitted into the Union, and then slowly this way the 14th Amendment and all that shit came into play, okay? So they had to be readmitted into the Union from military and federal control imposed during and after the American Civil War. This is why they had so many problems, right? The 14th Amendment had been readmitted to the Union on July 24th, 1866. Okay? So um, brother asked me, he says, well, did slavery really exist? Yeah, it, it existed. It existed in the form of involuntary servitude. You understand? That's how it existed. Slavery was a real thing. Okay? But um, it's not like you think it was. Because they rewrote history. And then later on, they were able to do shit, um, you know, uh, they was able to do shit like, like make movies. And when they made movies, they were able to then you know, really fuck your head up because then in the movies you get shit like Kunta Kente. So you so you, you sitting up there thinking that, you know, shit is you know, shit is uh it's like it is in the movie Roots. And I assure you it was much different. Matter of fact, go look at a movie about Hol- the Holocaust and you'll see that this was actually a lot closer to what your ancestors endured. Okay? You know, we take for granted a lot of the shit that happened, you know, in this country, um, you know, and what people went through and why people were actually fighting. People actually were fighting for their freedom. Okay. People were fighting to keep their land. Right? They were fighting to stay free. It's, 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 it's a lot more than just getting free. It's a matter of getting free and staying free. You see what I'm saying? So, there's a lot to this. Um, I got I got a lot more information to drop on y'all tonight. Call lines are wide open. If you want to get in, holler at me. All right, press number one. We're happy to bring you in and uh, bring you into the discussion. All right, we're going to uh, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, pay a couple bills, and we'll be right back, man. Keep it locked right here on the bottom line. It's Sunday. We'll be right back. Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states. As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority 
over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract. Which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, the black slaves prior to the conclusion of the Civil War were legally considered to be property with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both the 13th and 14th Amendments. You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept. It was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. The 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person. But being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of free-born American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, Anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States and secondly to the state in which they lived. They had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. 
the 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States, with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution. The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents. The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state, which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, the only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes, and we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers, those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club 
yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order.
even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. All right, all right, all right. Peace to the guys. We're back right here on The Bottom Line. Call the number 347-989-0194 if you want to holler at me. Press the number one. And numbers for those who are in the chat room. All right, so um, real quick, we're just, you know, we'll, we'll touch on a couple of things here, right? Because I, I want to make sure that, and I'll, I'll put this um, I'll put this in the chat because there's different, if I can, I'll put it in for y'all right now, okay? You guys can see what I'm talking about here. Um, so if you're in the chat, it's in there, all right? Um, <clears throat> there are different, and there's a lot of register of prisoners, roles, right? And there's um, register of prisoners ordered to be released, compiled by the office of what they call the Commissary General of Prisoners. And this was done in 1865, right? You had register of applications, register of unclaimed money, uh, register of valuables. I mean, you name it. They had the register of effective deceits, uh, permits that were granted, um, list of prison camps. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? Um, when you're talking about from Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Maryland, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, Missouri, Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina, right? This shit's all over the place. So what I did was I put um, I put the the official records into the chat. So if you want to see the records, the records are in the chat. You can go look at the actual records so you can see for yourself uh, what happens, right? And these records compare um, with the Dolls roles, they compare with the Indian roles as well, right? So the register of prisoners have records where they discharged and released prisoners in June of 1863 all the way up until June of 1865, okay? Um, where they, they were releasing people from prison camps and paroling them, and then they were sent out. Um, and when they did the Reconstruction Act, shortly after that, they had uh, your black codes that came that came about, right? And so when the black codes came about, um, understand that the American Civil War it, it lasted from 1861 to 18, 1865, okay? Um, and when the black codes came out, they had to have a way to control these ex-prisoners of war, okay? Who were now freedmen, and, and so this is where you get your freedmen's bureau from, okay? So the practice of slavery in the United States was uh, one of the issues. Of the 19th century, right? It was one of the main issues, right? Um, but remember that slavery had been outlawed as far back as the Articles of Confederation and Association. They, they outlawed it a long time before that. So it was not slavery in the sense that you're thinking about that they show you in the movies. It was slavery in the sense that these people were prisoners of uh, prison camps. Okay? So the war effectively ended on April the 9th, 1865. And this was done when Confederate uh, General Lee, he surrendered to the Union General uh, Grant right at the Battle of uh, Appotomics, at, at the Appotomics Courthouse. Okay, this was done in Virginia. So after abandoning Petersburg and Richmond, the Confederate General throughout the whole southern state followed suit. So the last surrender um, on land, right, occurred on June 23rd. Okay. So at the end of the war, um, right, they, they started doing a reconstruction on the whole infrastructure. This also included your railroads. Right? This is where your railroad system 
came from, okay? So the Confederacy, it collapsed, right? And then essentially slavery was abolished, and 4 million enslaved black people were then freed, okay? So understand that it wasn't just a matter of the men who were indentured servants and prisoners of war. It was their children. It was their wives. It was their mothers, their fathers, their grandchildren. Four million people. Okay? So the war-torn nation then went into what they called the Reconstruction Era so they could reconstruct your history to rebuild everything. And then they gave you civil rights and they also disenfranchised you. Don't forget about the Bill Tillman letter. Right, very important that you go read that Bill Tillman letter, and then you'll understand uh, how Reconstruction actually happened. So the Reconstruction period, right, it started in 1865 and it went to 1877. You understand? So it took them a little over 10 years essentially to reconstruct your history, and then they brought in the 14th Amendment, the the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, and the 15th Amendment. So Reconstruction refers to the attempt by Congress to transform 11 Confederate states and then refer to the role of the Union states in that transformation. Now, I tell you all the time that if it wasn't for the 14th Amendment, right, um, a lot of people would still, they'd still be prisoners of war today. We still have a lot of issues today that we had back then, right? So understand that um, – I'm sorry, let me just a second. Right. So understand that the whole American Civil War, from the prisoner exchanges to the end of the exchanges, which stopped in 1863, because that whole system collapsed in 1863, right? And that basically collapsed because the Confederacy refused to treat black prisoners the same as the white prisoners, okay? So they were exchanging prisoners. They were said to probably um, have ex-slaves and belong to their masters, not the Union Army, Okay? So I'm going to read a little bit of something to y'all here from this book I got so y'all can understand a few things, all right? And then we'll go to the car line. I ain't going to stay on too long, all right? Now, um, and this is what it said, right? Put, and this is this is this chapter is entitled uh, "Masters Without Slaves." That's what they said. They said that plantation slavery never dominated the entire South as it did. Example: Most uh, islands of the West Indies, but the plantation belt containing the region's most productive land, the bulk of its economic wealth, and the majority of its slave population, gave rise to a ruling class that had shaped regional institutions, from the school and the church to the state and its own interests. A large land estate specializing in the production of staple crops for the world market. The plantation has historically historically require a disciplined, dependent labor force. And since planners have found it nearly impossible to attract free labor, especially where either uh, land or alternative employment opportunities are available, like their counterparts in other societies, American planners believe that the South and its prosperity and their own survival as a class depended, as the Georgia newspaper put it, on one single condition, the ability of the planter to command labor, okay? And the conflict between the former masters attempting to recreate a disciplined labor force and blacks seeking to infuse meaning into their freedom by calling out autonomy 
and every aspect of their lives profoundly affected the course of Reconstruction. Southern planters emerged from the Civil War a devastated class, physically, economically, and uh, psychologically. Thousands of wealthy young men had perished in battle. The loss of planters, slaves, and life savings to the extent that they had invested in Confederate bonds. Okay? Wiped out the inheritance of generations. William Gilmore Sims, the South uh, Carolina poet and novelist who married a planter's daughter, lost slaves, lost stock, he lost furniture, books, pictures, and horses, the property which was worth $150,000 in gold. So for the majority of planters, as for their former slaves, the Confederacy's defeat at the end of the slavery, at the end of slavery, ushered in a difficult adjustment to new race and class relations and new ways of organizing labor. The first casualty of the transformation was the paternalist ethos of pre-war planners, a sense of obligation that was based on mastership over an inferior paternalism which had no place in the social order in which labor relations were mediated by the impersonal market and blacks aggressively pressed claims to autonomy and equality. The law which freed the Negro, a Southern editor wrote in 1865 at the time, freed the master, all obligations springing out of relation of master and slave, except those of kindness uh, ceased mutually to exist. And kindness proved to all all too rare in the aftermath of war and emancipation. No planters evicted from their plantations, those blacks too old uh, or affirmed to labor and transformed rights enjoyed by slaves, clothing, houses, access to guard plots, and to commodities for which payment was due. So the former relation uh, had to be unlearned by both parties, wrote one planter, but except for the obligations of paternalism, ideas inherited from slavery display remarkably remarkable uh, resiliency. So so that's that's just the form, all right? So then we move a little further here. Okay. This is the radical Republicans. And the parties left stood the radical Republicans, a self conscious political generation with shared experiences and commitments, a grassroots constituency, a moral sensibility and program for reconstruction. At the core of congressional radicalism were men whose careers had been shaped by the slavery controversy. All right? So you need to understand that everything that happened, right, that you know today in terms of how slavery went down was, was basically because of Reconstruction. So uh, they called them Reconstruction Radicalists, right? So Reconstruction radicalism, radicalism was the first and foremost a civic ideology which grounded in the, in the definition of American citizenship on the economic issues of the day, no distinctive or unfiled radical position existed. See, it was really a fight over, number one, land. It was also a fight over gold and silver. Okay? Remember, the 39th Congress was one of the last black Congresses. Okay? So from the day the 39th Congress assembled, it was clear that the Republican majority viewed Johnson's policies as misgivings. Clerks of the House, Edwards McPherson, omitted the name of the newly elected Southern congressman that he called the Rose. And two houses proceeded to establish a joint committee on reconstruction to investigate conditions in the Southern states and report on whether any of them were entitled to representation. Some of Johnson's supporters considered these steps to direct challenges to presidential authority, but Johnson's annual message to Congress took a 
conciliatory approach. Essentially, he said that the president insisted the work of restoration was now complete. All that remained was for Congress to admit Southern representatives. On the other hand, he conceded that Congress had the right to determine the qualification of its members, apparently offering some role in judging. So Reconstruction's progress. So most uh, Republicans appear to have accepted the message was an acceptable starting point for discussions of Reconstruction. Now, I do understand that the states were the first 14th Amendment citizens. Okay. We can't forget about what they call the White Brotherhood or the Ku Klux Klan. Okay, or the Knights of the White Camellia. Okay, so see the Klan was was part of this Reconstruction effort too, right? So in effect, the Klan was military force serving the interests of the Democratic Party, the planter class, and all of those who desired the restoration of white supremacy. So our purposes were political in this broadest sense, for it sought to affect power relations both in private through Southern society. It aimed to destroy the Republican Party's infrastructure, undermine the Reconstruction state, reestablish control of the black labor force, and restore racial subordination in every aspect of Southern life. And y'all want to be Democrats. Okay? I mean, all, all of this shit, listen, bro, and this, this is coming out of a book. I get this book called A Short History of Reconstruction. Um, I mean, it's a pretty tough book. I got this book for about seven bucks. Well, all of this stuff is, you know, it's right in front of your face, and it's important information to know. It's important to know your history because we talk about doing commerce and all of that, right? We talk about um, understanding the laws because all y'all want to do is according satisfaction. But who wrote the law for that? There's a federal law for that. There's a state law for that. So you're still using remedies from the state. All right, we're going to go to the call lines, man. 347-989-0194. Lines are open. Let's go to 917-804. What's happening? Peace to the gods. Joey, you going in? What's up, bro? Going Peace in. to the You hey. going in heavy, man. Yeah, man. You know, uh, listen, this information, this information is, that's why you tell people this information is out there. You know, but we, you know. I don't know if people be forgetting it or what it is, but you know, just a, a good reminder. Just a good reminder. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely deep, man. Look, the joint that struck my nerves when you was talking about it was uh, stood out to me was you said um, they can buy themselves, they can buy their 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 way out of slavery or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much out of out of uh, prisoner of war. Right. They could buy their way out and of prison. Yeah, they, they could back to talking about a problem. Uh huh. Well, there was a problem with that because if you couldn't read or write, yeah, that's what I was about that. to say. <laughs> you, had to, you had to read and write English language. Yeah, and that's, that's not how what we spoke back people. then. Come on, that's how they kept most of us enslaved because we wasn't speaking English. We were speaking Arabic. Um, you know, we were Mohammedans. We were speaking other languages. Right, right. Some right, of us right, were speaking right. French, depending if we were from the South, Deep South, we were speaking French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's the fucked up part about it. You know what I'm saying? Like they give you the way out, but their way out ain't necessarily the way out. You know what I'm saying? It's like you still gotta uh uh bend to their fucking their their, their nature and whatnot. Yeah, that's why the treaties were so important. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did drop that when they was talking about, yeah, we spoke about that Friday. Yeah. They was talking about how, you know, if, uh, you know what I'm saying? They took a captain, you had to give a captain back. And if you didn't have the equivalent of a captain, you had to give up however many people to equal that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, uh, captain for captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is that all of this history is, is in front of us for us to understand. But it's been it's been so subjectively hidden. So that this way, you know, you don't tap into the shit. Prisoners of war, dude. We, we was never slaves in that sense. We we was a great. We always been a great people, but we was prisoners of war. And if you can't yeah. read or write in, the, in their language, then, then then you either you were stayed a prisoner of war or you had to wait. And you know how many people in the South were free and they didn't even know they was free. They, they the, the slave masters kept them as slaves, hoping they never found out. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, when that one of um, damn man, the fucking crowd gonna be mad as shit at me because I can't think of who the hell said it. But the lady said, she was like, "Look, I could have freed more people. They just didn't know they were slaves." Here, yeah, Harry Tubman. Harry Tubman. There we go. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. yeah, man. Hey, it's damn good. Hey, this show from today. Really? Damn good show. I don't think it's what's different. Uh, Thank you, boss. His name question. Yeah, from Friday. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, from, from look, ain't no difference today. Hell of a fucking show. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, ain't no different from what happened then than what's happening now. The 14th Amendment was is a form of subjugation, but it it doesn't subjugate you as the flesh and blood. It subjugates the state and the entity that the state creates. Then the state has a certain control over you. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, like the, uh, and they use like, the, yeah, then they use democracy, and they use shit like the Klan. And that's just all on point, and it makes sense on you know what I'm saying why you got to do your whole procedures and your processes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly why. Mm-hmm. I keep telling people, man. You know, you don't. People, we don't know. You don't know the real America until you start driving out into the country. You know, and then you're gonna yeah. see the real America. Right. That's the motherfuckers that's been stuck in their ways and like they straight up like who the fuck like like that uh, like they did on um, Django. Who this nigga on his name? <laughs> yeah. Just like Django. That's why Django was such an important movie. Yeah, who that nigga on that name? <laughs> so, you know, how important is the process of uh, making sure you get the fingerprints and birth, uh, the footprint into that non-UCC? Well, I think all of that's important. You got to, you know, even if you, even if you taking your footprint as an adult, but it's important. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, yeah, I mean, it's your property. Yeah, because I always, you know, I've always wondered, like, when they uh, they detain you and they process you, you got to give up your fingerprints and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Fingerprints and new pictures every time. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's why they want you to give it up. Yeah, right? they but, but, the wouldn't, it, wouldn't it make, come on, wouldn't it make sense, though, 
to Alright, we just went into overtime. It would make more sense to take your fingerprints and copyright your fingerprints now as an adult. Copyright all yeah. You copyright Hell your yeah. name. No reason you can't do that. Copyright too. your name, your fingerprints, your uh, your signature, everything. Shit. Motherfucker ready up. All of that. Everything, damn. That's real you know what I'm saying, man. You know. And that's and it's a, that's why I tell Cat it's it's cool to be in, in the movement of being a more. That's 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 great. But what happens when you step outside the system if you're not prepared? Because you 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 can become a prisoner of war real quick. Believe it all or not. over again. All over yeah. again. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I I would look at it as uh going with the movement of becoming a more, I would say that's like the the starting point, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, now you you awake. Now what you gonna do to actually protect your whole property? Yeah, you know what I'm saying the whole thing. Yeah, cause it's yeah, cause it's a lot more. It's a lot more than just calling yourself a more man. A lot of that is um, how's your paperwork done? How tight is that guy? Yeah, and remember, remember, now UCC is a, is a hidden. It's hidden. It's a hidden name. It means you don't even have to file before it exists. Yep, you go read the rules on now UCC. There's nothing in there that says you have to file it in the county. Nothing. Because it's a mm-hmm. hidden lien. Exactly. And then you got to put it on public notice. You know what I'm saying? That's when you give yeah. your due notice up. That's what the whole point of doing or not the UCC one, the UCC one is. That's your constructive mm-hmm. public notice. That actually right. is the notice. Hey, I'm coming to your house. You, can, you know, that's the UCC one. If the non-UCC is, I'm knocking on your door. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't funny, care. You know what I'm talking about from military on up. Man, you know, everything. They're operating straight under military right now. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people don't understand. Oh, yeah. They're operating strictly under maritime law. You know? Yes, they are. Matter of fact, the, the military, what, the Reconstruction Act was, was done by the military. Yeah, yeah, man, shit. Everything they did was, was, was for the benefit of the military. You know what I'm saying? The United States ain't nothing but bullies. That's why everything they came out with was a war on this, a war on that. So they continue going on with their taxes and whatnot. They seized. My oh, man, military occupation at its finest. Yeah. yeah. See, my, yeah. I'm wondering Straight why up. they made it a, a, a UCC 11 to go search to see if you got any liens on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, well that, that's yeah. exactly the reason. Yo, that that's the reason why. You know, eleven, eleven, dude. You know, can't nobody <laughs> lean on you if you have one on your stuff first. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm thinking about that shit, man. Niggas be mad. Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. That's why you. That's why you, you you go buy a car. They never put a lean on the car. Never, never. They never do. You know what I'm saying? Straight up abandoned property. property. Why? Because you're in possession possession of the property. Right, because you're in possession of the property. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. They know what it is. They've been knowing what it is. They just hope that you don't know what it is. Yeah, this information is serious, man. If you don't get yourself right in line, they come figure out real quick. 
Yes, they, yeah, 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 they will. Yeah, they will. Get down and lay down type shit. Mm-hmm. I swear that's been their motto. Shit. That's never been their motto. It's a, it's a, it's a messed up game, but it's how they play it. But, it's, but, but you know, that's what I say, man. History repeats itself. So we got to know this history, you know, and I'm glad that the brother brought it up for, for us to talk about it because it, it really is a deep history. And it's and it still is in play today. These these states are still at war with each other today. Don't think they're not. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's that that's still, myself, that that's real. Yeah, yeah. There's still groups of of individuals who want to see you um, indentured servitude. They still want to see you, you know, in in that realm. You know. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you break down a little bit more on uh on that skit you was talking about when they was talking about uh the the, the golden errors coming back around or whatever? Oh, you talking about the one I played earlier? No, I can't yeah. because uh no, I can't mm-hmm. because uh you know what he was talking about was on some he was on some esoteric shit. You know, I mean, if you want to the gold. That's one thing, but yeah, he was talking about he was on some real esoteric shit that he, <laughs> you know, yeah. shit he was talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah no doubt. Because yeah. I was like, man, hold on, my my take on what he was saying was something totally different. I was like, it sounds like what I'm thinking, but it don't sound like the way he said it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, he 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 was dealing with specifically the esoteric realm. That's that's what he was on. Ah, yeah, see, I was taking it as, like, uh, the meat shall inherit the earth type, you know what I'm saying? Those that were first. That could be it, too, you know? Yeah, yeah, it kind of seemed like that the way he was explaining it. So, I mean, I guess you could take it that way. You know what I mean? I would tell you, go back and really listen to it. That's that white guy that um, that does the science videos. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if you know something about They they have him in a lot of documentaries. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. What the ever call is talking about. No doubt, man. You know, I'm always plugged in with you. Okay, God, you be good. No doubt. 13, please. Thanks. Thanks. So, Let's go to 314-280. You don't lie. Peace to the God. Peace, dog. How you be? How you be, my brother? Uh, you know. Good, good. You know, I I did a little research on that Civil War, and I came up with, they had like nine facts about slavery that they don't want you to know. Can I run okay. through them? Drop them on us? Go ahead. Yeah. The first legal slave owner in American history was a black tobacco farmer named Anthony Johnson. North nice. Carolina, largest slaveholders in North Carolina largest slaveholders in 1860 was a black plantation owner, William Ellison. American mm-hmm. Indians owned thousands of black slaves. In sure 1930, did. there was 3,775 free black people who owned 12,740 black slaves. Many black slaves were allowed to hold jobs on businesses and on real estate. Brutal black-on-black slavery was common in Africa for thousands of years. Most slaves brought to America from Africa were purchased from black slave owners. 
Slavery was common for thousands of years. White people ended chattel slavery. Those were the nine uh, facts, you know. You, you know, I can, you know, I, and I can believe that because a lot of them were coming over here, were forced to come over here uh, as slaves, and that's why which is the Confederation and all that and association came in play. Um, and I, I can, can believe that a lot more of us wanted to be slave owners. I can believe that. Right. I can believe that more of us had a vested interest in keeping slavery going than a lot of them do. Yeah, yeah. So that was... Um, you know, you got more today who, 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 who think they own niggas. You know what I'm saying? So, you know... Right. You know... Yeah, yeah. niggas get a little status to get a little sense of superiority about this thing. Yeah, the ego. So, it's the ego. But the question, yeah, the question that I got. So, um, basically, with the birth certificate and all of this, and the, you know, cause they, they didn't create a your name as a corporation anyway so it's right. basically right. and they're using your energy to uh do security so that's a basic form of slavery uh it, it is i mean it definitely you didn't violence yeah yeah it's, it's, so that's involuntary that's involuntary slavery by them using your labor but the thing about it is is that they still allow you to choose whether or not you, you want to be uh, in the labor force or not. Yeah, but you, yeah, I mean that choice. But the way it's power choice, the way you got to work. Yeah, but the way that they do it, the way that they do it, because you under their trust, you using their their numbers, and they doing what they want to do with it. Yep. But you yep, can't do are. it. But you, <laughs> well, you can do it when when, when you be going when you go into your own trust. You go into your own uh, trust relationship. Then, right. then you have a lot more power to do it, and they want you to know how much power you really got at that point. They don't like that shit. They got a target. They got vested interest in keeping and keeping us as slaves. Correct. Correct. That's right. That's why I noticed that when we started setting up trust, they started closing down the trust office, and, and then they then they moved the trust office. Mm-hmm. You know, because because these white folks still want slaves, and really, it's I guarantee you, it's, it's, it's niggas that's that sitting in the background that that, that want to perpetuate the system of slavery more so than some of these white folks do. Yeah, exactly. 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 You know. So, I mean, slavery is a choice, you know. It mm-hmm. really truly is, you know, because you, cause you, you find a way around the system. And, and don't forget about the church, you know. Church has a vested interest, too. Right. Our people do. You know, they, they, they will do everything they can to shut you the fuck up, you know, especially... Especially when you know the truth, they don't want you spreading that information. You know, freeing other people. Mm-hmm. Then you, because then you taking, then you doing, like brother told me, you taking food out of their mouth. Right. 
Yeah, they they don't like that. But my my energy is to you know to 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 teach the babies to trust you know my grandbabies and and the and the facts about you know you know their history. So I just want to be clear. You know because oh, I think you're they, on point. I think you're on point. Yeah, you're on okay. point. I mean, it, yeah, I posted. I don't know. Are you in the chat right now? You know, I don't, I don't, no, 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 I'm not. Okay, all right, so so what I posted here, I'll give you the website, www. Oh. Hold up, let me, let me, let me get the ink down. Hold up, hold up. I had an ink you got any of y'all can okay. go here, and, and you can pull okay, these, what is it? these are all the, these are all the war rates. <laughs> so it's dot dot what H dot A as in Apple. Uh-huh. H as in hat. G uh-huh. as in as in G O. P as in policy. Uh-huh. Dot okay. slash military slash confederate dash prisoners of war dot HTML. Go there. It's gonna come up. It's gonna give you this this lady compiled Let's see here. She compiled approximately 145 rolls. Okay, everything from mm-hmm. records relating to all prisoners of war, um, mm-hmm. all the way to I'm talking about you got everything on here. All the way to uh, register of prisoners at various military prisons. Uh, uh, you got. Uh, Register of deaths, register of oaths, register ledger of prisoners, um, lookout mm-hmm. points. I mean, you name it. Go to that website and you'll see it. I mean, it's okay. it's, it's amazing. It, it takes you right to the actual records on uh, on, on on the uh, the micro on microfilm, so you can see all the microfilm records. Wow, wow, wow! Yeah, they. I thought that they had uh. Well, they did make everything microfilm now. Yeah, it's all microfilm now. So ain't no excuse. All the records is out. Okay. Okay. And I, I, I apologize. My son came in from Cali uh, uh, Friday, so that's why I ain't hit you. But can I hit you tomorrow? Okay, that's all right. I'll be, yeah, yeah, I'll be available tomorrow. You give me a holiday tomorrow. We can knock out your consultation. Okay, okay. All right, brother. I'm going to use the floor. Okay. Okay, my brother. Peace Have a good one. You too. All right, man. That's what's up. We had a short audience tonight, but um, if you sit in, I appreciate y'all sitting in, getting this information. You know, it, it ain't always about it's about making money, but it ain't always about the money, man. Sometimes you gotta revisit the history a little bit, and you know, know where we where, where we came from, so we know where we're going, so you don't end up in the same position again. All right. Newbie or not, right? So with that being said, um, that's our show, man. I really appreciate y'all. I'll be on on Friday, over for Friday, and uh, we'll be here dropping it. And I'll be back Sunday, man. You wanna holler at me? Oh, we got one more caller. All right, nine one seven seven nine six on the line. You can see the God. Take talk. Peace. I like I like what you were talking today, you know, and, and I like the part where you thought about the bonds and then like bonds yeah. and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I'm asking who gave them who gave them permission to write to write the bond stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if we're talking about the land, the land belonged to um, the Moors or what you want to call the Mauritanians. You do the yeah, we gave them permission to write Right, but think about it this way. We we are walking by our, ourselves because because of our melanin. You know what I'm saying? If we all if we knew, right, the process of bonds yep. and stuff like that, we could all get together and, and write and, and write insurance against against ourselves. You know? We could. And, we and definitely could. Of, we, because of our because our melanin is it's worth more than gold. If you think about it, that's, that's why. A, you, that's a good. That's, why you, that's a good way to look at it. You know, because you got how, how many how many children or melanin children are disappearing each year? Man, all the time. Due to the fact, due to the fact of the melanin properties that we have, right? Not only that. You know um, the organs and stuff like that. That 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 um, we can't. Yeah, the organ trafficking and shit that they doing. You know, and and, and that's another reason why they're able to get away with that shit too. Because ain't nobody, ain't nobody, you know, ain't nobody coming forth for saying, wait a minute, this can't happen. So they they look at it as free range, like free range chicken. I mean, I, I say that if we we all knew how much we worth, we we would be getting together <laughs> and creating families and, and we could actually you know overnight <laughs> you know really, really yeah, become yeah. you yeah, know what really. I'm talking about right yeah. I don't want to say it yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. no 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 I got you I, I got you that's powerful shit you know and that just shows you the strength in numbers but but that's why it's a vested interest in keeping us ignorant asleep you know, and and to keep us away from doing shit like trust. It's the best interest in that. You know, because that's how powerful it is. Why, why do you think white folks organize themselves in the trust? You know, because they know. They already be known. I think this is, that's one of the reasons why they got this uh, LGBTQ community. You know, basically they're attacking us. You know, trying to uh, trying to break up the nuclear family because they know you know, with this information, you know, we just shut them down overnight. Literally, overnight. Literally, you could, you know. And the thing is, is that, you know, you think about their community. They don't want to be harassed in their community. They want to, they want to feel safe in their communities. But, but are we giving the same reciprocity in ours? Right. I mean, because they 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 yeah. used us to advance themselves, right? <laughs> and they continue to do it. And we're, we're talking about so-called Jewish people, you know? Because if you look at every organization that was created, it was created by Jews, by you know, so-called Jews. Mm-hmm. And and we can and we continue to allow them to use us, right? That's that's a boy. That's interesting thing you're talking about right there, because it's because it's true on so many levels, you know. 
I mean, the W, the you W, know, w uh, the W, what is it called? The W, um, uh, the N, the, the way, the N, N, the Negro, the Negro fighter. Um, oh, you talking about the, the, the uh, United Negro? Yeah, it was created, it was started by a Jew. It was started by a Jew, that's true. Very true. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of these, um, a lot of these colleges, right? Your so-called black colleges were started by Jews. Yeah, a lot of them were started by. A lot of the black colleges were started by Jews. That's very true. It's very true. See, and they operate in trust. They have so they have an interest, an express trust interest to keep us. In. Come on, man. They, come on, man. They be knowing. They they be holding on to your money a lot of times too. Mm-hmm. They hold on to shit that's yours too. They know. Yet, yet, yet the um, the Treaty of, of Granada says that you know that Jews are not supposed to tax more. You know. Oh, yo, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? See how deep that it is? And but they but they be knowing that. It's it's in the Treaty of Granada, right? Yep, the Treaty of Granada says that. Yeah, I think next week I'll go into that because that, cause that's something that you gotta read that, brother. Times. Yeah, next week yep, I'm gonna go yep. into that. That's 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 crucial, and <clears throat> it'll be worth having a certified copy of it. Yeah, that's that's the hard part of finding certified. I've been trying to find a certified copy of it. Nah, what you, what you do part. is, is what, what you do is you print a copy down, you put an affidavit on top of it, and then you you have it authenticated. Um, by your Secretary of State, and then you authenticate it again with the uh, with the federal government. That's what you do. Then it becomes right. it becomes completely authenticated, and you can then use it in a, in a court of law or in, in any other form. Right. Right. That's how you do that. Yeah. Though. Though. So. So. I mean, it says that the that the that the treaty. Is actually longer than what it is. They only show you snippets of what what the treaty is, but, mm-hmm. but that's a powerful treaty right there. Go to um, if if you pull up um, um, not fine law. It's um, it might be fine law. It's it, it's it's on um, uh, it's on it's definitely on the government archives website though, because I've pulled it before. You can find the whole treaty on there. It's definitely up there. Right. It's definitely up there. Right, right. No, I mean, Bob, that's, yeah, yeah, yo, that's a good topic. Yeah, good man, topic, absolutely. I, yo, next, I mean, next week, for sure, I'm definitely going to dive into that. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you tuning in with us, bro. Yeah. I, 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 you know, when I can, I'm, I'm always tuning in. I already know. I already know. Good to hear your voice, man. Likewise. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you next week, guys. Peace. Peace. All right. That's what's up, man. Um, shit, we there. That time. Uh, so I'm gonna say peace. Y'all have a, a great week. Talk to y'all soon. Be on Friday. Tell a friend, tell a friend. We out of here. Peace to the gods.